0: home it is more than four walls and a roof home is a feeling i'm jennifer stagg and i believe that home is the most important place on the planet here i dive into all things home whether it's tips from my latest diy project or interviews that examine what gives a house that's something special join me as i get to the heart of the home We are all after getting that magazine-worthy home, even if it's just posting an image on Instagram for family and friends to see. Well, Amy Panos is the home editor for Better Homes and Gardens magazine. She believes that if you love it, it belongs in your house. And her philosophy shines through on the pages of one of America's most treasured magazines. Hey guys, I'm jumping in for a minute to tell you about today's sponsor, Stag Design. Stag Design gives you beautiful products you can mix and match effortlessly to create your perfect home. Use the code Home for $10 off your next purchase. At Stag Design, we believe home is what we make it. You can find us at stagdesignshop.com. That's Stag with two G's.
1: Thanks for joining
0: us, Amy. I'm so excited to have you.
1: Likewise. Thanks, Jen.
0: I met you at the Better Homes and Gardens Style Maker event several years ago, and we've stayed in touch. And I think I'm speaking for everyone who reads Better Homes and Gardens, but you've definitely left your mark on the magazine. Uh, your work is beautiful. First, tell me how you kind of got involved with home decor
1: as an editor. Well, thank you for that lovely compliment. I can't take, you know, all the credit. Certainly there's, there's a cast of dozens here who pulls together a beautiful issue of Better Homes and Gardens each month. So it's a, it's a real group effort and it's so much fun. Um, So your question about kind of how I got involved with working on home design for Better Homes and Gardens, um, Meredith Corporation, the parent company of Better Homes and Gardens uh, is here in Des Moines, Iowa, where I live. Uh, near my family, and I always, always, always wanted to work for Meredith. So after many years of trying, uh, I finally was able to get a job as a copy editor at a traditional home to get that proverbial foot in the door at Meredith, and that led to uh, moving over to the special interest media group. Uh, And I worked on a magazine called Creative Home, which was an awesome training ground, essentially you do, you and an art person do an entire quarterly magazine. So four times a year, it is your baby and you do it from the ground up and it's just you and your art person. So that was invaluable experience, but I always had my eyes on working at Better Homes and Gardens, you know, kind of the, the brass ring, um, the biggest magazine, the flagship of Merit yeah. Corp. So about eight or nine years ago, I had the opportunity to come over to Better Homes and Gardens as a senior editor. And there, I worked on a lot of different kinds of stories, but carved out a niche for myself in organizing stories, which organizing is my jam. I'm a type A Virgo freak (laughs) who loves, (laughs) loves, loves to organize. So the fact that we needed one of those stories each month um, totally appealed to me. So I kind of took those on as well as lots of other kinds of stories. And over the course of, you know, four or five years, Contributed lots of stories to the magazine and then an opportunity to head up the home design group um, came to me uh, and our new, well, he's no longer new, but our three years in now, (laughs) editor-in-chief Stephen Orr was uh, kind enough to believe in me enough to put me in that position. So for the past three years, I've been heading up a team of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six awesome editors, two in New York and four in Des Moines. Um, And we create all of the home content of the magazine, which ends up being, I, I would say, probably close to half of the content in each issue.
0: For me, appearing in Better Homes and Gardens was like the gold standard. I mean, it was such a wow moment in my professional career. Uh, it was such an honor to be featured. Talk about, uh, you know, a lot of people I don't think know that Better Homes and Gardens is in Des Moines, Iowa. I think they just assume that it's in New York. I know it's in, in Iowa because I used to live in Iowa. <laughs> I
1: know you did. You, uh, you were a broadcaster in my hometown of Rapids. Yes,
0: yes, that's right. Oh, so, world. Yes. But I think I personally believe, I'm sure that a lot of you guys feel this way too, that uh Better Homes being in Des Moines grounds it and, and sort of gives it a feel of um you know a hometown and, and a home a smaller company and and talk about that a little bit and the impact that being outside of New York or or a larger city has had on 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 Meredith and Better Homes.
1: I, I think you're right on the money. Um there's a niceness in the Midwest, there's an you know incredible work ethic, there's a sense of practicality. And I think where I see that featuring in Better Homes and Gardens is each of our editors, whether we're in New York or Des Moines, we are all just squarely trained on making sure that the content we are giving the reader is going to be useful for them. It's not enough to just give them beautiful eye candy or something that is completely aspirational and out of their reach. We want to inspire them and push them just enough, but we also want to give them All the advice, pro tips, um, all of the research that we've done, you know, we're truly, we take to heart our mission as a service magazine. So, kind of unlike, you know, other more sort of eye candy shelter magazines, and trust me, I am a huge fan of those, I devour them. (laughs) But I think what differentiates Better Homes and Gardens is the focus on, okay, what can our reader learn from this? What can our reader, um, how can our reader use? what we're giving her to make her life a little bit better, a little bit more fun, a little bit more beautiful. Um, So it's really, really about reader service. And truly, everyone has that. Everyone who works on Better Homes and Gardens has that top of mind at all times.
0: I I absolutely agree with you. I think that Better Homes, more than just being a magazine, is almost like a, a guidebook, a handbook uh, that you keep on hand for holidays or if you you know you're getting ready to launch into your summer garden. You have that on hand, and you've you know peeled over the corners of all the pages, dog-eared all the corners, marked up all the things that you really want to do so that you save those and dive into it. And I've got to tell you, I got a whole lot of street cred with my mother-in-law when we appeared in Better Homes and Gardens because that is the magazine that sits on her coffee table. It's just that one.
1: There's a really interesting intergenerational um, thing going on with Better Homes and Gardens, and that's the beauty of you know, what we do, we have such a long history, you know, more than we've been in publication for more than 100 years. No, no, let me, I misspoke there. The company has been around for more than 100 years, but Better Homes and Gardens is going to have its 100th anniversary here in just a couple of years. So let the editorial planning for that commence. Oh, yeah. But you're right. There is a sense of that's my grandmother's magazine that's my mother's magazine and that can be both a blessing and a curse we do often have to overcome wrong perceptions about the the timeliness and the up to date quality of what we what we show at better homes and gardens but i think anybody who looks at it would quickly understand you know it's not in any way fuddy-duddy or old fashioned we are really trying to give an interpretation for our reader of what's hot now, but tempered through this lens of does our reader really want to live with this? Um, you know, that's kind of part of the reader service. We see lots of stuff that's cutting edge um, and avant garde and different and weird. And we, we look at that through the, the lens of what's our reader going to think about this? Are we pushing her just enough to get inspired? but we certainly don't want to alienate anybody by showing them something that they would never ever do. So it's a, it's a delicate, you know, balance, but I, I agree with you about the kind of intergenerational thing. I grew up with my grandmother having Better Homes and Gardens on the coffee table as well. Um, You know, and when I was little, I never thought I would have worked for Better Homes and Gardens and it's kind of crazy how, how that happened. It really is one of those kind of American brand institutions and we're, incredibly proud of that and we work you know work every day to deserve it
0: let's talk about the transformation i don't want to say tra- i don't i think transformation is maybe a little bit too strong for uh, the transition that has happened since Stephen Orr, you know, sort of took over the helm of Better Homes and Gardens. Um, but there have been some, some changes, right? Like you've never had, you had never had um, a person appear on the cover, is my understanding. And, and now there are occasionally faces that show up on the cover of, of Better Homes. Talk about some of the other changes that have happened.
1: The people front on the cover, we, it was only very, very rarely that we would do that. Um, the likes of Michelle Obama and Trisha Yearwood. <laughs> Those were the two <laughs> that I can remember in my recent memory of people, but it was a once in a blue moon situation. Now, we're doing, of course, we're continuing our September style maker issue that always has a person on the cover, and then about once or twice a year in addition, we'll consider putting a person on the cover. But we don't, you know, we don't do that often because like I mentioned, it's really more about offering the reader service of, a, you know, beautiful food on the cover that they want to make or a beautiful room that they want to emulate. It's less about, Oh, look at this cool person. But we do do that occasionally and it's, it's fun. It, um, we've, you know, added a little bit more celebrity coverage to our magazine, mm-hmm. although not a huge amount, again, keeping in mind what our reader wants to hear about. And there's lots of other magazines where she can go to get celebrity news. Um, But in terms of some of the other changes, Stephen has pushed us to include more about entrepreneurship as it relates to kind of home topics. So we're covering more um, of those cool artisans in the home space, in the food space who are making their way by by creating, um, you know, following their heart to do something creative and making a business out of it. Because we're seeing more and more people doing that and wanting to do it. and it was kind of a place that we hadn't covered much in the past. So we're we're really be- beefing that up as well as beefing up our coverage of places where design, the design community um, gives back to the larger community and to the world. Um, for example, we recently ran, a story I think in our September issue this past year that profiled about five or six entrepreneurs who are creating products with a give back angle in mind. For example, um, a woman who visited Malawi and fell in love with the basket weaving there and also was just struck by the poverty there. So she started a business that imports those baskets from Malawi and sells them and You know, a hunk of the proceeds go back to Malawi to back to the art, the original artisans who can then, you know, make their lives better and continue to make their beautiful goods. So we've got our eye on um, both entrepreneurs and give back stories, I say, are a couple of big changes in addition to all the visual changes and the desire to show more different kinds of decorating, more different kinds of spaces. Um, more apartments, more urban dwellings, different kinds of families, um, trying to address diversity in any definition, um, address diversity a little bit better with our coverage. So those are some things we really keep our eyes on. And I hope everybody's noticing that.
0: Oh, yeah. I I mean, I think people are definitely noticing. I think it strikes a chord with with a a younger generation of of house you know, housekeepers, housewives, house, um, you know, people who, homemakers is the word I'm looking for. Um, I, I do think it kind of strikes that chord a little bit more with them, but it also is it opens the conversation, right, with with an older generation. I think you're still kind of keeping that open because there's still a lot of commonalities and things that you can discuss in the book. At least that's what I've noticed, you know, with my my mother-in-law, who's a loyal reader, is that that it's opened up conversations like, oh, did you see this in the magazine? I'm thinking of doing this for Thanksgiving. Or or did you notice this? Or I hadn't, you know, for her, she just moved into a new house. And there have been ideas that she's been pulling that she hadn't thought of before. It's giving her a new perspective. And then she's asking me about it. Well, did you see this? What did you think of this? I hadn't thought of that before. So it, I think it's been interesting, and I think it's absolutely headed in the right direction.
1: Awesome. That's great to hear. I, I agree. Again, um, you know, there's enough divisiveness in the country that it's wonderful for us to hit upon things that we can agree on and have you know, interesting, thoughtful, meaningful discussions around home-related topics, because at the end of the day, home is where the heart is, which I know is kind of your... Um, sort of a, a extrapolation of your motto.
0: Yes. Boy, I love that you said that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so very important to people. And there's so, well, at least to our readers and the, you know, that kind of crowd. Um, it's a vital, vital importance to create a home that you love, that, you know, you feel good in, that nurtures your family. Um, it It's not not a minor thing. So um, I'm I'm happy that Better Homes and Gardens is able to bridge the gaps between you know generations and bridge other kind of kinds of gaps by kind of celebrating what is so wonderful about home and what's so wonderful about this constant pursuit to make it a little bit better a little bit more fun a little bit more beautiful so that life can just be a little bit better
0: in today's you know pinterest instagram facebook perfect imaged world um, I, everyone sort of plays that role a little bit of stylist when they're putting pictures up of their home, because, you know, whether or not you're a blogger or you're in that space, I think you don't necessarily want to show an image of your, you know, messy house or things not put together. And so everyone's kind of curating images a little bit. Um, one of the things that I learned so much of from having the BHT team in our home, styling it for the magazine was that. They don't want everything to look perfectly in its place. They wanted things to look lived in. So the pillows didn't have that perfect karate chop. Um, The toys weren't perfectly put away. They were fine with leaving out my kids' art pieces that we had on the fridge and and things like that. You know, they did sort of style them and, and selectively put them in place, but it still had a very lived in, comfortable feel. What would you say to somebody who's trying to get that magazine worthy look?
1: Um, be yourself. The most important thing about your house and the things that we look for when we consider a house for publication is does it have personality? Can we get a sense of who lives there? And if it's too perfect, too cookie-cutter, too showroomy is a term we use sometimes, those houses aren't interesting to us because we can't get a sense of who lives there. Um, What we want is to understand through the furnishings, through the accessories, a little bit more about the people who live here and about their lifestyle, because that can then become an interesting um, thing for readers to see and experience and read about and something for them to kind of um, emulate a little bit. It makes such a more interesting story if there's both beautiful decorating, but you can see the hand of the people who live there. you can see the traces of the life that they live in their house. it just makes it so much more more interesting and such a richer story because um, you know perfection is so overrated you you preach you come, you come <laughs> to understand that the, the older you get and you're talking to a like I said type a Virgo perfectionist here who's had that knocked out of me over over the course of many many years <laughs> um, but real reality authenticity is where it's at so I say absolutely display the kids artwork I've got a whole gallery wall in my foyer well we just moved into a house and it's I'll admit it's all on the floor waiting to be hung but one of these days it's going to get up there in our former house we had a whole hallway full of the of the kids art and um framed it all in white frames inexpensive. Like I love a Hobby Lobby or a Michael's frame with a coupon. Um, It doesn't have to to be expensive. And I just loved feeling, filling that upstairs hallway, floor to ceiling with art that the kids have done, because it looks cool. It adds color. It adds a sense of personality and it kind of gives the kids a little, little thrill when they, you know, feel like their work is good enough and mom loves it enough. Um, you know, to put it up on the wall and really celebrate it. So I'm all about displaying the kids, the kids artwork um, or any darn artwork you like for that matter.
0: I also think it gives, it gives your kids a sense of ownership, right? When they think this is my house and I'm leaving my stamp on it as well. It's not just artwork from a store. It's my own personal handiwork.
1: Yeah. And it just feels good to live in an environment that is personalized to you. You know, no one else lives here. It's your it's your space and you can be creative and really let your hair down and and be yourself at home. And I think, yeah, having things like that, things also like family collections. For example, we have had a run of Florida, Florida trips the last few years and always go shelling. And I, I love to display those shells in glass, glass bowls. And I stick a little like label in there of what year we got it and what, what beach Um, nobody else probably cares about my shells or I could go to, Hobby Lobby and buy a bag of shells, but I love these because I know our family had such a good time collecting them. And when I see them, they remind me of that trip. So I say display things that are special to your family, no matter what they are. I've also seen like art displays of, um, Oh, our, our former awesome food editor, Nancy Hopkins saves special menus from special dinners that she's been at and she had them all up all over her office and what a fun and cool reminder of past um neat experiences you know to display all of these menus and family photos and artwork and it all plays in just really celebrate who you are and your experiences um, and get that out where you and your visitors can see them
0: How cool. What a neat idea. I think you've given a bunch of people ideas for artwork for their kitchens right now to frame menus. That is such a cool idea. Um, You and I share the love of textiles and pattern and color. So talk about, you believe that, you know, you may have kind of a blah space, but a textile is really going to give it that extra
1: punch and transform
0: your space, right?
1: I do. I do. I say get the neutral sofa, so that it can transition with you and handle whatever color scheme or look, you know, you've, you want to throw at it. Like, don't maybe, I mean, i am all for a pattern sofa. Buy one if you, if you want to. And if that's what you love, get it. But, you know, I've got the big old beige sofa, which looks like kind of a behemoth in the room if you don't jazz it up. So I took um, some kind of indigo dyed curtain panels, believe it or not, kind of gauzy, linen-y curtain panels, and I drape those over the back of my sofa, and it gives this great pop of indigo to my largely beige family room, but I'm trying to bring more indigo in there. So um, a special throw, uh, a special, heck, it it could be anything. It could be a tablecloth. It could be yardage that you find at the fabric store. It could be um, an old old remnant of fabric that you find at at a secondhand store. If you love it, if it speaks to you, and it's a textile, drape it over the back of the chair or drape it over um, the back of the sofa or use it as a tablecloth. You know, those are wonderful places to kind of find a starting point for your room because if it speaks to you in its pattern and color and just its just its aesthetic, if it speaks to you, then that's a great place to start your room, build off of that.
0: Um, you don't have, this surprises me, but you don't have like special china or special... Pieces like that, but you have things that you use and love and and use them daily. Talk about that philosophy a little bit.
1: I don't have special special dishes, but I have been starting a collection of blue willow. I mean, I love I love a blue and white uh, piece, uh, blue and white kind of Asian ceramic. I just think they're one of those things in decorating that is timeless. Whether it's a ginger jar, plates. Um, an umbrella stand. I feel like you cannot possibly go wrong with that sort of blue and white export ware, China. So, I um I've been collecting those and I say don't save them just for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I want to use them every day. So, I mean, and, and granted, they're not they're not that precious, but they are kind of special. So, some people would hide them away and not use them, but I, you know, I'm using them to serve pizza on Tuesday night just cuz I love them and they make me happy. So, I say Use your stuff because you never know, Um, you know, don't save it for a special occasion. Don't, don't save it for when the table looks perfect and you're having a dinner party. Because in my world, that never happens. (laughs) What does happen is, you know, family dinner where people are running all over the place and we might be sharing pizza. I'm getting real here. This is how, this is how it goes in my house. But at least we're going to sit down together and I'm going to use my pretty plates because I love them. I'm not going to save them, you know? And don't you
0: want your kids to kind of think back when, when, you know, you're old and gray and they have families of their own and they're thinking, Kyle, I really remember, I remember those plates or I remember that tablecloth because we used it all the time. Like, They're not going to remember once in a blue moon when you're using that one platter, you know, they're going to remember it if you use it frequently.
1: Yeah, I hope, I hope so. I think you're right.
0: If you could kind of sum up your design philosophy when it comes to really striking the right chord in a home, what would it be? Oh my goodness.
1: Well, uh, I think you got to somehow get control of the clutter um, so that you kind of create peaceful, hopefully, canvas for what you really want to look at in the room. Now, I said I love to organize. Not everybody does, and I don't have enough time to do it. So I'm a big advocate of closed door storage. If you don't, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Just shove it behind a closed door and you'll get to organizing it later. But if it's out of your sight, at least you'll feel better. Okay? So if you don't have built-ins, think about buying an armoire or a couple of cabinets. Or a dresser. I mean, you can put you can put a dresser in a living space and use it for game storage and kids' toy storage. You know, there aren't any. I don't have any rules about. Oh, well, that's a dresser. It has to go in the bedroom. I have a dresser in my living room where I keep. I do too. Okay. Yes. yes. Where I keep um like entertaining supplies. I keep. uh, My daughter has commandeered a lot of it for her art supplies. I keep gift wrapping supplies in it. Um, and it's awesome storage. So you can get you can get storage that looks like a, like a beautiful vintage dresser. It doesn't have to be sort of utilitarian, but in terms of my philosophy, I say hide away the crap you don't want to look at and worry about organizing it later. And then, like I was saying, you know, do what makes you happy. For me, that's largely neutrals. I want to kind of have a neutral shell, um, a, a a you know, by we call it the envelope of the room. And I mean, the floors, the ceiling, the walls. I want that to kind of be light and neutral. I want a lot of natural light. I want windows um, as unadorned as possible because I want all the light I can get. Um, and then from there, it's simple furniture with accessories that reflect who I am and who my family is. Like display the books that you love the most Um, out on the bookshelf, display the seashells, display the kid art, Um, you know, just put out and live with the things that make you happy and remind yourself of your experiences. But beyond that, my philosophy is really simple. And that is, if you like it, it works because home is all about you. It's not about what a design magazine says it should look like. It's about you and what you love to live with and what captures you know, your imagination and, and your spirit.
0: And it's interesting because I think that philosophy really does carry through on the pages of the magazine. Because when you're looking at the homes that are featured and the families that are featured, um, you're seeing things that are really personal to them. And then you're reading about those stories within the pages. And I, I think that that right there, I think, is what resonates with with your readership is that it's approachable, it's practical, and it is it is aspirational, but it's also very doable.
1: Right. No, you hit the nail on the head. That's the magic combination. These are This content is not just decorating content. It's lifestyle. It's finding people who have pretty houses that we can learn from and then delving into how they live their life in their house and how that impacts the way the house looks, how it impacts their furniture choices, their color choices. You know, we, you know, we love to show things like, um, I don't know, a family getting ready for breakfast. We love to show what they'd really be doing, you know, or is mom standing at the kitchen sink making orange juice and the kids are at the bar stools. We want it to feel like real life, but not just anybody's real life, the the life of the people who actually live there. So we really do a lot of research with our, um, you probably experienced this with our families that we shoot by really kind of getting into what? What do you guys do? Mm-hmm. And we try to add to that just a little bit so that there's authenticity.
0: Yeah, there's there's this really cute shot of Ruby and I making cookies together in the kitchen. And then there's another shot of um our family sitting at the at the table eating cinnamon rolls. And and those are things that we legitimately do. And they're such fun images to look at and think that's exactly how we live in our house. You know, it feels so true to how we really live every day. This next question is going to be hard. You have been in this business a long time. You've covered a lot of amazing amazing projects. Are there any features or projects that really stick out to you as that was a big moment?
1: Yes, actually, that's not hard for me at all. Um, I have covered and done a lot of beautiful stories, but one of the stories that was the most fun for me and I guess stuck out the most in my mind is we did a, we worked with Natalie Morales from the Today Show. You may know her. I love her. (laughs) Yes. Um, I wish I knew her personally, but I know of her. Well, I was on the show a couple of times and just thought, Hey, she's here. I'm here. I started asking her about her house and if she had any projects and if, you know, someday she'd be up for working on something together. And lo and behold, she said, yes. Yes. <laughs> so she had a. At the t- she lives in LA now, but at the time she was living in a brownstone in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is just across the river from New York City, um, and kind of was interested in getting more sense of personality, more of her own style into her living room. And so, Better Homes and Gardens partnered with One Kings Lane to redesign her her living room, and it turned out so beautifully. Um, it features a blue color scheme, which blue is my personal favorite. I don't think you can possibly go wrong with blues. Um, and it was just so lovely. And the process of working with her, um, she just was so nice and genuine and um, appreciative of what we did. And she's just a dream, a dream to work with. And it was so fun to meet her. And I had had a moment of surrealism where I'm standing one day in her kitchen on the shoot and I'm watching her as she's on the Today Show. <laughs> It was like a very meta, weird, surreal highlight of a moment. Um, But I've gotten to meet, you know, meet and work with a lot of really, really cool people um, over over the years at Better Homes and Gardens. And I, you know, treasure all of that experience and truly can say, and I understand how lucky and blessed I am to say it, but I have my dream job and um, I'm just thrilled when people respond to the work that we do and understand and get it speaks to their hearts what we're trying to do. And that is show real people in their houses and also, you know, educate and inspire people to just make life a little bit better.
0: Oh, Amy, you are just the best.
1: So much. (laughs) Right back at you, Jen.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. It is truly such an honor. You know, I I asked our producer to reach out to you and Of course, we've gotten to know each other a little bit, but it is just such a thrill that you said yes. So thank you so much
1: for saying yes. This is my first podcast. (gasps) What? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm so honored. I was nervous. I was nervous there'd be a video component. So I had to clarify (laughs) that right away.
0: Well, you are just as lovely in person as you are over the podcast airwaves. So thank you so much for joining us. And yes, I hope we're able to feature you again soon. Thank you. I'm Jennifer Stagg and you've been listening to The Heart of the Home. I hope you'll subscribe, review and rate this podcast and tune in next episode for more Heart of the Home. Thank you so much for listening.